This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. The Games are finally here. Of course, we're talking about the Tokyo Olympics. Delayed last year, it's been a long and tough road to get to the starting line. And whatever happens, it's set to be one of the biggest sports stories this year. So it's only fitting that we handball this shortcut to the team at Sport Today. They've spent a lot of time getting informed on Tokyo. So let me introduce you to Sam Ferris and Martin Gabor, the co-hosts of our daily sports news podcast, Sport Today. They'll give you the background on pulling off a delayed Olympics, how the Japanese public feel about it, what it will look like for the athletes and as a viewer, and the important stuff, our medal hopes, so those Aussie athletes to watch. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. Hello, it's Sam Ferris here. And I'm Martin Gabor. Gabs, we've made it, the big time, Squish Shortcuts. How do you go handling the pressure? As long as no one can see my face right now, then I think I'm going to be just okay. Are you sweating bullets over there? Uh, look, I've got a, a paper towel ready to go. Well, there's no turning back now. Let's get into it. The Summer Olympic and Paralympic Games were scheduled to start in July 2020, but, you know, COVID hit. So in March last year, the decision was made to postpone the Games. It was a pretty big deal because it was the first time in the 124-year modern history of the Olympics that the Games were postponed. It sure was, and it was a huge bummer for many athletes, organisers, sponsors, and for the host nation, Japan. And that's because Olympics generally don't come cheap. When Japan was first awarded the Games, it said the Olympics would cost about US $7.5 billion dollars, but expenses from the delay, like renegotiating contracts and putting measures in place to combat the virus, have blown that number right out, like way out. Yeah, there are varying reports on the exact figure gaps, but last December, organisers said the Olympics would cost $15.4 billion US dollars. So, you know, just a smidge more. And it's for that reason that the Japanese public hasn't been the Olympics' biggest cheer squad. Yeah, Fez, regular polling over the past few months has shown the majority of the Japanese public think the event should be cancelled or at least postponed. But in June, polling by broadcaster Fuji Television showed a shift in sentiment with 30.5% of respondents saying the event should be cancelled compared to 56.6% in the previous month. That said, Gabs, there are still concerns around COVID. A poll by Kyoto News carried out over the same period found 86.7% of people were worried about another surge in virus cases as a result of the Olympics. So there's still a lot of unease over the health risks, as you say. Yeah, Fez, COVID is still very much a thing in Japan. In fact, Tokyo is under its fourth state of emergency now, and that's not due to end until August 22, so after the Olympics. Just last week, the city reported its highest number of new cases in almost six months now, Fez, there have been about 15,000 COVID-related deaths in the country. And while that number is relatively low compared to other countries like the US, UK or India, it's still not as good as most of its Asian neighbours. Which brings us to the obvious question, Gabs, vaccination rates. It's been a slow burner in Japan, but things are starting to ramp up. Yeah, Japan had a slow start to its vaccination program. But in May, a mass vaccination campaign was rolled out to really up the ante. 
As of July 11, just over 29% of the country's population has had at least one dose of the COVID vaccine, and about 18% have been fully vaccinated. So it's sure to be an interesting and very different Olympics. Let's get into what to expect right now. All right, so we've covered where things are at in Japan. Let's now set the scene in the Olympic Village. 15,400 athletes from over 200 countries are expected at the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympic Games, as well as 79,000 Olympic officials, journalists and support staff. But it certainly won't be business as usual. No, it won't, Fez. And in fact, there is an entire playbook for both athletes and journalists as to how this will go down. And those who don't comply risk a range of penalties, including fines and even a permanent expulsion from the Games. Yeah, there are some quickie rules we'll get to in a bit, but first... Are vaccinations a must to compete in the Games, Gabs? Well, it's not a requirement for athletes, but the IOC president has said that 85% of the athletes and officials living in the Olympic Village will be fully vaccinated by the Games. But they'll still have to undergo a three-day quarantine upon arrival and will be required to get COVID tests daily. As for the others in the village, we do know that almost 100% of IOC members and IOC staff have been immunised to some degree. So a fair whack are vaccinated, but it isn't foolproof. We know that as there's already been some COVID find its way into the Olympic Village. Yep, and this is one of the biggest concerns for Games organisers. A 60-year-old Nigerian team official was the first person to test positive while in the village. That was followed by a pair of South African footballers. Now, they've been removed and put in isolation, and Games organisers are confident they can get on top of any outbreak with some pretty strict rules in place to prevent spread. Strict they are, Gabs. Athletes will have to stay two metres apart from others, except when they are playing on a field or in a team sport, and physical interactions are discouraged. So no hugs, handshakes, high fives, pretty sure no chest bumps, all the classic sporting gestures. Maybe we'll see the return of the dab, Gabs. Uh, Maybe, Fez. Athletes are also required to have meals either by themselves or two metres away from others, and those staying at the village must eat there or at other specifically permitted venues which means they can only really leave their accommodation to go to official games venues. So no fun tourism spots. Nope, and when it comes to winning a medal, things look pretty lonely up there too. Athletes will be presented with their medal and they themselves will have to put it around their necks. There will also be no crowds in Tokyo at all, domestic or international, but there could be a few fans at venues outside the host city. But Gabs, Olympic organisers say there will still be an atmosphere. Yeah, well, the Olympics will have an immersive sound system. What they mean by that is they will essentially use crowd noises from previous Olympic Games to keep things lively. Now, we've heard something similar here in Australia at the footy games with no crowds. It's going to make the viewing experience a bit different for us here at home. Fortunately for us here in Australia, the time zone is in our favour, Gabs, although that's not entirely on purpose. Yeah, as per usual, it's all about the US audience. And the reason for that is that American TV companies are one of their major sources of revenue for the International Olympic Committee. The Games have been televised exclusively on NBC, an American broadcaster, since the 1988 Summer Olympics in Seoul. Now, Fez, in 2011, Comcast, which owns NBC, paid the IOC $4.38 billion US for four games from 2014. That's heaps of cash, and it's why the big events are being held in the middle of the day, as it lines up with prime time in the States. 
The Seven Network here in Australia reportedly paid $200 million in 2014 for the last three Olympics. Sounds like a bargain to me. Yeah, it's a lot of money for a lot of eyeballs that'll no doubt be glued to the Games, which, speaking of, has a few new events this year. Let's get into that and some other fun things that are expected to go down at the Games. All right, getting right away from COVID now and the operations and into the Games itself. As is always the case, new Olympic sports have been added and removed over the years of the competition. This year, Gabs is no different. Yeah, you used to be a swimming teacher, Fez. So did you know that there used to be an obstacle swimming course? Uh, I didn't know that, Gabs, but as a swimming teacher, the main obstacle I watched out for was the warm areas of the pool. (sighs) You want to stay away from them. Obstacle swimming, that's no longer around, but there are five new Olympic sports which are baseball and softball, karate, skateboarding, sport climbing, and surfing. Fez, baseball for one is huge in Japan, so it's no real shock that it has made its way back for the Tokyo Olympics after a 13-year hiatus from the Games. Now, Fez, the IOC has said that happened because the best players would often skip the Olympics for the Major League Baseball season, which was on at the same time. Skateboarding, Gabs, is one that catches my eye. It's being added to the program for the first time, taking the street sport fully mainstream. Is that cool? It's heaps cool, Fez, and it's expected to do quite well when it comes to popularity, and it's already been approved for the Paris Olympics in 2024. Apparently, Niger Houston, who competed in his first X Games as a pre-teen, and Mariah Duran, who won back-to-back gold medals at the 2018 X Games, are two to watch. Speaking of winning medals, Gabs, how is Australia expected to fare? Great question, Fez. A lot of focus will be on the swimmers, in particular the women. Emma McKeon and Ariana Titmus are two strong medal hopes. McKeon was on fire in the water, if that makes sense, at the Olympic trials last month, while Titmus, well, she beat Olympic icon Katie Ledecky in the women's 400-metre freestyle at the 2019 FINA World Championships, which is no small feat given Ledecky had never been beaten in the event at an international level. So that's swimming sorted, Gabs. There's also high hopes for Sally Fitzgibbon, who won the World Surf League in Western Australia last month. And as we mentioned earlier, surfing will be a debut sport in Tokyo. And then there's Jessica Hull, who's been keeping busy smashing records over the past year. She sure has, Fez. Now, for those who don't know who Hull is, she's a 24-year-old distance runner. And just last September in Berlin, she set the new national record in the 1,500 metres. That record has since been reclaimed, but Hull also won a national title in the 5,000 metres in Monaco and the 3,000 metres in Doha last year. She locked up three titles in the space of 43 days, so pretty incredible stuff, Fez. We've also got to mention the boomers, don't we? Yeah, Australia's men's basketballers, they've never medalled at the Olympics, but this could be their year, Gabs. They've looked great in the warm-up games. They even beat the US. Now, there's no Ben Simmons, but Australia's flag bearer, Paddy Mills, is leading the way, so watch out for them. A little further afield, Gabs, give us some names we should keep an eye out for. Fez, she's the best in the world, and gymnast Simone Biles is definitely on my list. She became an instant hero after she won four gold medals in just seven days at the Rio Olympics, just part of a staggering haul of 30 Olympic and World Championship medals. And there are rumours, Fez, that Biles is set to retire after the Olympics, so it might be the last time to catch her doing what she does better than anyone. There's also Elliot Kipchoge from Kenya. Gabs, you might remember, he shot to global fame when he broke the two-hour mark for a marathon in Austria in 2019. Two hours? That's so fast. 
I'd still be running if I started two years ago, but unfortunately the time didn't count because of pacemakers and rules around fluids. But he has also won the London Marathon four times, so he's definitely one to watch. But back to Australia, how many actual gold medals are we going to win, Gabs? It's an interesting question, Fez, because in the past, Australia would put out a target number, but that's been scrapped this year. This way, there's no added pressure and expectation. But if you look to the bookies, they reckon Australia will win around 12 gold medals. Most of those are set to come in or around the water. I'm thinking swimming, rowing, sailing, sports that I'm not overly familiar with. Fair enough, Gabs. I'll tell you what, just talking about the Olympics has me pumped up for the opening ceremony on Friday night. Bring on the games. And that is your shortcut to the road to Tokyo. On to our recommendations. Well, we made it, Gabs. How are you feeling after that? You know how I mentioned that paper towel? Well, I upgraded to an actual beach towel in the end. (laughs) All right. Well, each week we recommend some further listening, reading or watching and I mentioned this a few days ago on Sport Today, but it's really good. Aussie swimmer Emily Seabomb on Instagram is posting daily vlogs. They're great and take you inside the Olympic Village. For me, Fez, I just had to go back and watch Elliot Kipchoge smash out that final kilometre to break the two-hour mark. He was running faster than I do in a 100-metre sprint. I don't know if that says more about me or him, but he's just an incredible athlete to watch. We'll put links to those recommendations in your episode notes. Now, Gabs... While we're still here, I'm going to take this chance to shamelessly plug our Olympic show. It's called the Tokyo Sprint and it's on every day of the Games. The Tokyo Sprint will recap the big moments, provide you with a rundown of key events coming up and let you know who is leading the medal tally. The Tokyo Sprint can be found in the Sport Today feed during the Olympics, so head to your favourite podcast app and follow today. All right, I think that just about wraps things up for us here today. Squiz Shortcuts will return to regular programming next week. So thanks for listening.